Welcome back to How to Be Queer. This is Chris. And this is Sam. And today we're talking about wham and <laughs> life update time. I was just in Toronto. Toronto's nice to visit because it's got queer people. Yeah. Not that, you know, Barry doesn't. It's just that, like, I have to go out of my way to be with queer people whereas like my queer friends live in Toronto I get to hang out with queer people and by proxy more queer people I get to you know like one night the person I was hanging out with is Melanie friend of the pod we went to her workplace and she's got a bunch of co-workers and literally every single one that was in the room with us was um you know non-binary queer like whatever and then or trans and then we learned how to play a card game and it just felt like really cool that like just we were just all queer hanging out and I don't know it was just really nice um it was nice to hang out with Callum again um and you know get we to, love Callum we love Callum we love Callum just to like be in the presence of like the city was just nice it's just a change of pace that I needed I needed that little bit of bustle and activity and to see that there are places that queerness is valued like hanging being because I stayed in the village and so staying in the village was like, you walk out the door and there are rainbow sidewalks, rainbow benches. There's like rainbows in every store window. There's, you know, it's just nice to be able to see that like it's valued in a certain place, you know? Is the David's Tea still existent in the village? I don't actually know. I didn't see it. So I'm going to say maybe. Because it's right by Cruz and Tango's. Yeah, I'm going to say no. I'm going to yeah. say no. I'm going to say it's gone. Rip. Anyway, rip, rip. So glad that you had a, such a fantastic weekend that you're in such good company with people. Yeah. Kind of reignite that queer fuel. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not like a whole lot going on with me. I'm finishing up a course that I was taking. Um, and then I'm starting a new one almost immediately after. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Keeping yourself busy as per usual. Yep, as per usual. Um, I think that's it. That's all my all my life updates. I don't really have anything else going on. My life updates are I graduated one portion of my training at my new job. Yay! Yay! And we're moving on to the next one. All that has been said about it in regards to, to like how it's going to feel during these next, um, I guess, starting Monday, I'm entering my second week of it and there's only four weeks of it is that um I will be feeling overwhelmed and to make the best of feeling overwhelmed love that that was something that was super like just like told to me right off the hop does not feel great in the heat of the moment it's a lot under a little bit of stress under a little bit of pressure but it's good it's good it's good figuring out that work-life balance we're getting there I feel like um I don't have any like chipper exciting news to discuss it's essentially i'm just working a lot um and i thought i'd be transparent and say today is a hard day but that's okay that's okay we'll get, we'll through, get it. through it we're gonna get through it we we're always in the middle do of it already you know so exactly you're already halfway through exactly you're so over the hard part yeah which was you know waking up <laughs> <laughs> that's usually the hard part <laughs> yeah so woohoo Okay, segment two. Next seggy. Next segs. Queer events. First thing that we should mention is that Trans Day of Visibility is on March 31st, and you should know that it's a day of visibility for trans people. You know, it's one of those days where you're gonna you're gonna see lots of trans people on your feed, and you should because it's 
if your feed is diverse enough. If it's not diverse enough, maybe seek some trans people out and see, yeah. make, make them more visible to your daily life. That's a good way to get engaged with the queer community and to make sure that you're in there knowing what's up. Follow some trans people. If you don't already, that might be a problem. You should probably do it. But it's on the 31st of March. It's a very significant, lovely, important day, and we didn't want you to miss out. Starting April 1st, we are going to be doing a slide show, that would we call it? Um, I think that's a bit of a boomer way to call it. Um, okay, yeah, it is, yeah. But we're going to just be posting. We'll be posting some content that has to do with, like, special dates of LGBT, etc. things. Yeah, it's very exciting. On Instagram. So starting in April, we're going to be um, blasting you with some cool shit. So get ready. Get ready and watch Instagram. So what news did you bring today? So my bit of news, we love to see it. Um, It's basically Disney backpedaling, which not fucking surprised in the slightest. Um, You know, Matt XIV, is that it? Yep. Had posted a really awesome post. I'm sure a lot of people listening have seen it. um, That essentially, like, Disney is funding a lot of these politicians that are kind of gunning for this don't say gay bill and so they got called out love how this article says thanks to the power of cyberbullying, the house of mouse has thrown in the towel and restored a specific um, scene to a the lightyear film that's coming up i already had no intention of fucking seeing lightyear because i'm pretty sure it's voiced by chris pratt um, i think right chris pratt and he is a big fucking homophobe so I mean, we were already off to a rough start, but essentially there is a female character, Hawthorne, who is in a relationship with another woman in the film. There was a scene with a kiss between the two of them, and it had originally been cut. So to pipe down, I guess, the queer community, they decided to throw this back in. Do I think that's enough? No, obviously not. Um, Again, your lead for this fucking film is a homophobe massive chip on his shoulder because he did your stupid marvel movies so they're out here trying to seem like they're taking both sides to legislation you know they're like but like we, we can have two girls kissing it's not a problem but we still want the listen y'all go make money regardless so it is what it is i want to sit here and say that i've totally like thrown disney out the window in my house but um i've recently become a big star wars fan and <laughs> the obi-wan show is coming out in may and i have to watch it so um but yeah they have donated about like two hundred fifty thousand dollars to florida legislators who are doing the don't say gay bill so congrats that you put a gay kiss in um maybe that would have made made more of an impact back in like 2011 um hate to break it to you it's 2022 let's uh keep the ball rolling yeah like we need actual legitimate characters that are actually like main characters disney just seems to avoid any kind of representation of queerness um at all and i don't know if it's because they think that they're like some kind of children's network or something like that or that children shouldn't be exposed to anything sexual but like i don't think to sit there and be like well i guess if they consider themselves a children network it's like okay but why are we villainizing queerness exactly because again another really great post that's been going around is like this fucking toddler being put in this goddamn grind line Mm -hmm. and it's like if you have the audacity to say oh gay people um are sexualizing your children let's take a gander at like the culture around hooters when we were all kids yeah yeah my dad took me to hooters (laughs) and then the dad makes a weird comment like yeah yeah, i have not seen a gay person do that to their children no 
Not I once, not at all. I don't even see gay people being like, oh, you're going to be a heartbreaker when you grow up. Or like, you know, like, ooh, you, what, who's your boyfriend? And they're in like grade two. Nothing like, like grosses me out more than that. Just being like, my boyfriend. And I'm like, I, I remember my mom like did not fucking stand for that. Love that I grew up in a household like that was not existing. My mom was like, you're not fucking dating shit until you know <laughs> what the fuck that even means. Um, and I'd like to see other people do that. And it's just, it's gross. It's gross. They're literal children. Um, and you're making their life experience to be solely surrounded around the fact of what relationships they can be in surrounding the people in them. Like, you know what I'm trying to say that like you're making them think that the only benefit to their existence is being in a relationship with somebody. And like, yeah. that's their value. Let's move on from that. Exactly. It's time Disney. And you know what, what's really cool. I don't know if you saw this there a lot of Disney workers are stepping out like uh, mm -hmm. Raven's home, the whole cast walked out of their jobs so that they like in protest of the don't say gay bill and saying like, listen, it's time for queer content. Like, I don't understand why you aren't putting in queer content. It, like like it really doesn't make sense because like at, at Disney, unfortunately, let's be real. They have the monopoly over the, the film industry at this point. That's thing. And so with that being kept in mind, no one else is going to fucking step forward and create this content if, you fucking have Disney monopolizing that. I don't know. I just think it's fucking stupid. Like, let's talk about the fucking Beauty and the Beast remake. I, it's fine. Honestly, it's not the worst of the remakes that they've done, but I don't love them. I'm like, why the fuck does, like, come up with something new for the love of God. Let's stop, like, regurgitating the same bullshit. I know that was, like, a huge issue back in, like, what was it? What was that around, like, 2014 to 2017, I think? They yeah. just kept pushing out old stuff and redoing it. A supposedly what's the little, little guy's name guest uh no Le Fou. Le Fou. yeah uh he was gay where was the tidbit of that oh at the very end and it yeah. wasn't even black and white it was a, it was a it was a lusty look it was just a, <laughs> a like a questionable look and like uh we've had a conversation about queer baiting or whatever and disney's just so good at it truly yep. um I don't know. You can't be pumping out villains like Shigo and then wondering why the fuck you have gay people wanting more. I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. I, I like, agree. You know, they need to step up. Like, fucking get with the, get with the program. Like, I don't know what year we're living in, but I just feel like we're reverting backwards. It's just a little bit frustrating. Like, you think, like, this pandemic, I really thought, like, you know, wow, in this lockdown, <clears throat> there was so much movement on people, like, realizing things and seeing things and understanding like the weight of um I, i'm gonna sound so edge lord here but the weight of capitalism and i thought like i was like okay we're making moves like people are kind of like acknowledging that like what's requested of us is just like absolutely absurd and like basic human rights are just not something even in where we're at you know and i thought we were getting somewhere and then it's like the minute things were kind of are headed back to um the new normal truly a new normal it's just like they're backpedaling on any progress that have been made it's like one step forward two steps back yeah so you know what's nice is that like i'm not saying like not saying cyberbullying works but the thing that was nice is that there was a big enough movement that disney has to consider what it's doing you know what i mean like there yeah. it has a big enough audience that supports them that says we're not going to stand for this and they're like oh shit okay 
oops okay let's see what we can do like at least they're they're not like i'm i'm not saying that they're making moves or anything like that but at least they're acknowledging the fact like for example with spotify, like with spotify right like they were just like okay leave they <laughs> you know like when when people started being like let's boycott spotify they were like all right yeah because Whereas they Disney's know that, that that person that they were trying to boycott off of spotify is literally like one of their top three on yep. the platform that's what makes them money they don't give a shit i'm not a big fan of cancel culture i think it's stupid i don't think it's effective in any way shape or form but i think like people posting and sharing information and you know stepping out and protesting like that's not something i have a problem with i think like cancel culture more so like internet cancel culture i i, I think it's um questionable and uh, it uh, never actually works in cancel culture I, yeah, I definitely don't. Like, I'm no, like... No, as in, I don't believe that it exists. I think that people are saying that they're getting cancelled and things like that. They're being held accountable. Like, who's being But canceled? sometimes, like, but sometimes truly, like, it's... I don't know, like, the people that I've followed... This makes me sound so problematic. <laughs> no, like, I, I think it does. I think sometimes things are brought to attention. And, and I think in some regards, the people are holding accountable. But I think in other regards, it's it's not. Because let's be real, you're going to look back in a month from now and all their followers are back. So they're not really being held accountable. And I know they're not actually being held accountable. I know they're, it's just a phase. It's a, oh, everyone's going to talk about this for two seconds because it's the fucking internet. And that's all you're going to see for about two days on your feed. And then people are going to make a point to talk about it. And then they talked about it and they're like, okay, my, my job here is done. Woo-hoo. And then um, a month goes by and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'll just follow them again because like the wave's over. Okay, well, at that point, what the fuck? Like, they haven't changed their accountability. They're still popping. Like, that one person on TikTok, literally their videos were so fucking annoying, but they'd be, like, in the mirror all the time, and they'd be like, did you know? And it'd be all these, like, fake psychological facts. And they ended up saying some extremely racist things. I already had them blocked, personally, because only JS or whatever. I already had them blocked, so I was like, I fucking do, like only JS and like Lily Pons and like Tommy Lovato like in my block list like I don't want to see shit <laughs> from any of you at all ever um so I had them blocked so I was like what the fuck is why is this trending I can't see anything forgot that they were blocked so I like went in looked at it and I was like okay cool do they still have millions upon millions of followers 100% are they still making mad money like before 100% if anything it actually boomed their career because it got people talking about them I don't know how to navigate like the internet to like make a point of things because like we can also discuss like fucking gabby hannah and david dobrik and like all these people who have done all these questionable things been held accountable have lost thousands upon thousands of followers and then give it a month and they're back to normal shane dawson's another excellent fucking example jeffree star um all these people have done fucking questionable shit on the internet for years specifically jeffree star and shane dawson and unfortunately i used to watch shane dawson's videos all the time when i was in elementary school questionable fucking things and then they're held accountable but are they because they still have a career and i'm not saying that like you know i just i don't know i just don't know how this is part of the reason that i say that cancel culture doesn't exist like it's it's not something like people are like canceling right and then like nothing happens like look at jk rowling she's still got a huge fucking platform Mm -hmm. and she's just spewing bullshit constantly so like yeah you know I think in theory, like how I see it is more so when is the the giant stampede towards trying to get somebody canceled 
that's what irks me because I'm like, this is, I know that already how this is going to end. Like you're going to pretend like you give a shit enough of a shit to say something and do something, but your behavior is not changing at all. Um, you will go back to following that person or it will just fly under your radar after that and they will keep going. Well, that's kind of what's going to probably happen with Disney, right? That's what you're kind of alluding to is that like at the end of this, maybe Disney will change its ways a little bit, but maybe only minusculely and everyone will just go back to supporting Disney again and be silent for a they while. They go, Disney put the kiss in? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. They had the, when that Lightyear movie comes out, it's going to be, oh, wow. So glad to see a lesbian astronaut. <laughs> it's cool though. In because... a lesbian relationship. Yeah. Oh my God. They kissed. And unfortunately, the reality of the situation is that's fucking groundbreaking for Disney. Yeah. Holy fuck. And I'm pretty sure they're, they're, it's a woman of color. So they were like, hey, you know what? We got to make bank on this. If we're going to yeah. get a marginalized character in here, we're going to make her fucking marginalized. Let's go. Yeah. And they did that. And they you know what? It. When it comes out, we'll shut up. And that's the worst fucking part about all of it. Yeah. It's nice because like people are, are walking out still anyway, like in spite of the fact that they reinstated that kiss. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. maybe there's enough movement. Maybe there's enough momentum, but it, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't have a lot of faith in Disney. <laughs> so Yeah, me either. That's just at the end of the day, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith. <laughs> Second piece of news. So this week, uh, right now we're filming this on March 23rd. Um, the Oscars are this weekend, March 27th. And my news has to do with the fact that two queer women have the potential to win Oscars, which would be the first time that an out queer woman won an Oscar. So I'm very excited about that. But by the time you're listening to this, we'll already know whether or not this is happening. <laughs> so I mean, groundbreaking so who regardless. Who is it? Okay, so Kristen Stewart is up for um, Best Actress. Is it for the, the Diana movie? Yeah, Spencer. Yes! And she's already won like a whole bunch of uh, awards for it. So she's kind of like a favorite to win. So that's... I, I love mean, fucking comeback for yes um robert pattinson and fucking kristen stewart yes kristen, you saw it i swear I, it wasn't on the podcast but i was shitting so hard on the new charlie's angels and then i finally oh, watched it in 2020 or 2021 or whatever it was like a year or two after it was released and i was like i'm so fucking into kristen stewart i am oh God, so God. into this movie i'm so into her and i'm like oh like i just think like if you need like validation on accepting your authentic self kristen stewart Boom. Look at the fucking growth of that woman. Phenomenal. Chef's kiss. Yes. Love her. Saw the new Batman. No, it wasn't my type of shit. Um, I really loved who they cast for the Riddler because he's from Little Miss Sunshine. And they did a great job. Oh, him? That. I really like that. He's the colorblind son from yeah. Little Miss Sunshine. I had the biggest fucking crush on him. And that's one of my, hands down, one of my favorite movies in the entire world. Because if I needed a movie, like those weird indie, like, films that are about like dysfunctional families eulogy is another really good one um if i needed representation of what my family is like little miss sunshine and eulogy hands down is the clusterfuck of what my family is like and just love those movies so, sorry side note but just seeing the come the come up for the two of them very exciting stuff specifically kristen stewart we love you yep specifically kristen kristen stewart but honestly i agree completely and charlie's angels was fucking my jam it's always been my jam i just fucking love charlie's oh yeah angels. and like charlie's angels drew barrymore oh my god love of my fucking life 
Drew Barrymore in both of those movies. And it just like Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu. Like, honestly, all three of them. Just like fucking phenomenal chef's kiss. Uh, Lucy Liu's also in Kill Bill, which is also one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, I so badly want to get a pussy wagon tattoo. Yes. Um, I know Quentin Tarantino's probably not a sore subject for some, but I gotta admit, I really do fucks with the Kill Bill. Yep, that's fair. Okay, and then the other person who's up for an Oscar is Ariana DeBose, and she was in West Side Story, and she is up for Best Supporting Actress, and she has actually already won a couple of awards for that as well. Um, She won the Screen Actors Guild Award for it, and she was the first queer woman of color and the first Afro-Latina to win, ever. So I'm very excited um, for that. I mean, the Oscars are still pretty white and still pretty straight, but it's nice to see that it's, you know, some people are breaking through. Mm-hmm. So watch the Oscars this weekend for those two people specifically, but also others probably. <laughs> hey, this is Chris on March 28th. I just wanted to let you know that Kristen Stewart did not win, unfortunately, boo. But Ariana DeBose won an Oscar and it was fantastic. I'm so excited. First queer woman to win. First Afro-Latina queer woman to win. And the person who did win the best actress was Jessica Chastain. So she was the one that beat Kristen Stewart and she used her speech to talk about LGBTQ issues. And we're so excited about it. One of the best quotes was, I just want you to know that you're unconditionally loved for the uniqueness that is you. I'm just so excited about this. So anyway, as you were. Ashley Spinelli, but lesbian. Oh my god, yes! Well, Spinelli is a lesbian. Spinelli is a lesbian. Or Spinelli's queer. The term of today, because we are talking strictly about women, is that uh, the term sapphic. Sapphic. (laughs) I like that. All right. You're welcome. Sapphic. The term sapphic in case you don't know about it, comes from the Greek lady loving poet Sappho. Her name was Sappho. Okay, so her name was Sappho and she loved ladies. She, uh, we don't know in what capacity she loved ladies. She might have also loved men. She might have also loved anybody in between. We don't really know. But we do know that she loved ladies. That's pretty cool. So now, actually, let's go back for a sec. So the first time that it was actually used to describe something was in 1500. So like a long time ago, it's actually been a while that this word has been around. The first time it was used was to describe her written prose and style. So it was like, oh, this is some sapphic writing, you know? So like, it's kind of like Sappho's writing. The mainstream use of it uh, for the attraction between women started kind of in the 1800s. And it was after the discovery of some of her manuscripts that proved that she did enjoy the company of women. Oh, I know. I know. So that was when it started to become a uh, descriptor for women who are into women. Bisexual wasn't used until 1950s. And so it's unclear if it means just women who love women or if it's about women who exclusively love women at this time. So like back in the 1800s, we don't know whether or not it was completely synonymous with lesbian or if it was a little bit more nuanced like it is today. So by the late 1900s, though, sapphic was being used interchangeably with lesbian. Spring forward to now, Google Books has kind of done a search and sapphic uh, in the last 40 years has not been used as much as lesbian, but it is on the uptick. Um, Yeah, I'm being honest, I had no idea what that ever meant. Like I'd see it and I was like, I don't know. 
Yeah, that's fair. And it's, that's fair. It's used less than lesbian. <laughs> There's lots of people within the queer community that don't know what it is. Um, Sapphic sounds so like, I don't know what the fuck it's, it's, it's so, it's not, I don't want to say weird. That's not the appropriate word, but it sounds so much more sexual in my opinion. I don't know why. That's fair. I think it's kind of sounds like tantric to me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, I know they're far off, but, like, they have, like, it just seems like it's the same, like, sapphic, tantric, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, like, intimate, some kind of, like... like, a head-ass for sure saying that, but it's my truth, so fuck it. (laughs) It's my truth. (laughs) Oh my god, I love that. Okay, so there was a big spike of the use um, in 2020, and I think that it has to do with the fact that lots more people were sitting online um, and contemplating themselves and seeing more words than they'd ever seen before and like, you know, seeing things that were in their algorithm that actually related to them and all that kind of thing. So people were seeing it and using it more in 2020 than they have been previously. Um, Now, I looked at this one study, and they uh, did kind of an informal study of like 112 people. So it really wasn't like a huge study, but it also was, I mean, it's it's a fairly sizable sample size. Um, So the results that they got were that 79% of people who are sapphic are women, 54% are queer, and 85% were under 39. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a demographic. So like it's mostly women who identify as sapphic, it's mostly queer people who identify as sapphic, and it's mostly people who are young who identify as sapphic. It's used most often as a descriptive word. So it's like, oh, this sapphic movie or this sapphic writing or you know, this sapphic relationship. Um, and it describes the fact that there are two women elements in this, like, right? There's some kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, women loving women type of uh, theme to it. Um, A solid majority of the respondents said that they most frequently use sapphic as an inclusive umbrella term. And so that's what uh, distinguishes it from lesbian, is the fact that lesbian is a little bit more restrictive. It's women that love women. Whereas sapphic is kind of a little bit more of a gender, like, inclusive term, where it's more about, like, you know, it's, it's meant to include identities that are outside of the gender binary. It's much more likely to use non-binary inclusive umbrella definition than people who indicated only women or men as their gender. That didn't make sense. That makes sense. Oh, okay, it did make sense. Okay. Um, it seems that there is indeed a sapphic resurgence right now. It's mostly people who are using it as an umbrella term. So uh, this was really interesting. And this is a quote directly from the study. And it says, it can potentially avoid some of the ambiguity of other labels. Queer is a broad and subversive umbrella term, but it can also refer to queer cis men. Bisexual and pansexual are often considered mutually exclusive with lesbian, which means that a lesbian can't be a bisexual, right? Um, Furthermore, while lesbian... Uh, increasingly encompasses some non-binary identities, it is still widely assumed to default to women attracted to women. And unfortunately, its adoption by transphobes means that it doesn't always clearly signal inclusion of trans women. In short, there is no other term or phrase that can transmit the concept of all queer women, some non-binary people who are attracted to other women and or some non-binary people in such an effective way as sapphic can. So there you go. There's your full rundown of sapphic. Hopefully you got something out of it. I think that it was very, very interesting. I think it's really interesting because it, like, if you're sapphic, you can be queer. You can be a lesbian. You can be bisexual. You can, you know, you can be omnisexual. You can be whatever, but you're also sapphic and it describes a part of you. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not say that I'm not sapphic. You know what I mean? Like, I, 
think that in some ways I might be sapphic because I've got feminine parts of me and I know and, and acknowledge those. Um, you know, she is, pro is a pronoun that I prefer over he. <laughs> yeah. And so like when I am interested in women, because I am every once in a while, it's not often, but when I am, I don't necessarily know that it's my manhood that is attracted to those women. That's interesting. Do you have any questions? No, I feel like you answered that because I, I was always kind of curious. Like I've seen it and I was like, I don't know what the fuck this means at all. Like I was like, interesting. I, yeah, I've just never really, was never really aware of, of what it meant. And now I know. And I think that's really interesting. Although it's being used a lot more, I don't think that it's a completely like universal term. And I don't think you, it's universally understood. And so that's why it's like, it's in a major evolutionary moment right now. And so it's going to change it's like that's kind of what has happened is that it, it like outgrew its old definition and has become something different and so like now people are seeing it and being like I don't even know what that means kind of thing and mm -hmm. that's even people within the queer community so it's you know it's a good thing to be aware of Onwards would you consider yourself sapphic um I guess so yeah I know that you're still gunning for me to go down the gender wormhole with myself. So I have no surprise that you're asking if I'm <laughs> Um, But like I've said in prior podcasts, I realized that I see myself more um, in terms of relationships. I see myself more with, um, um, I'm going to say masculine okay. people. I'm not okay. going to outright say just men men or whatever um I think like just masculine presenting people I think is usually how I see myself in a relationship with somebody and then sexually I'm more attracted to women I know that that would probably grind some gears because I know some turf out there somewhere is like you're saying that because you sexualize women because women are sexualized in the media well Joke's on you. I've been kissing girls since before I even knew what the fuck was going on. So <laughs> I don't know about you, but I know that's my truth. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would probably consider myself sapphic, but like I have never really had like extremely intimate, um, like long-term relationships with women. So my experience is limited. And that's okay. I honestly think that sapphic people can have limited experience. I certainly have limited experience and I don't know how much I identify as sapphic but I also know that like you know there's a part there and so I think you've seen it too in terms of when we worked in customer service together I've always felt I actually don't understand why I think we've touched on this briefly as well um women really scare me and do I think a portion of that plays into the fact that women are constantly pinned against each other and I've been scorned by that mentality that's really pushed on women yes um I also don't understand maybe from like personal friendships and relationships with women that like maybe that's where it comes from um but I grew up in a household primarily of some very very strong women um and so I don't really understand where this fear comes from so I've always kind of connected and pushed myself to connect more with men could that come down to daddy issues partially yes probably um, realistically, but I also, I can't understand where the fear of women really stems from and the fear of, um, of rejection by them. So like, I can't, I can't fig fucking figure that out for the life of me. Like I've, I've done some digging and I'm like, I don't actually understand what the fuck this is coming from because I feel like in 
this is an all about women episode so i feel like this is kind of kind of fitting but not entirely yeah. but in shaky households because i lived in a women's shelter at one point or a couple times and um you know there's only women allowed inside a women's shelter <laughs> um cisgender men are not welcome for all obvious reasons um because a lot of them are running away from domestic abuse and you know it is what it is so you're surrounded by all these strong women who have faced similar issues as you any of the women that like I had met along the way in some of the weird situations I've been put in just due to very complicated home life it was always really strong women and I really cannot fucking fathom why I'm so scared of that this is interesting and I don't I'm not going to say you need to explore it. I don't think you need to get to the root of an issue. I think that um, like, even when I read about asexuality or aromanticism or anything like that, what I am coming across is it doesn't matter what the root cause of it is. If you're more happy being asexual than you are not being asexual, then go for it. You know what but I mean? But at the same time, like we, I think you and I are very similar in this basis where it's like, we don't really under we to understand why things are the way they are we want the root cause yep, i want to have an understanding of why like i can understand why i seek the validation of men i do get that i get it it's because of my dad i get it's because of things that have happened to me in my childhood that i have no say over and unfortunately it's funny you see tiktoks about it all the time it's like why is this traumatic event now a kink for me like all those things right i understand like where that portion of things come into play but I cannot for the fucking life of me fathom why when I grew up in a house of very strong very supportive women and mind you yes they've made mistakes and they've done questionable things but they were fucking like fighting for their lives right like they're doing the best that they fucking can I'm aware of that I just don't understand where like the fucking fear and it's even in terms of like relationships like friendships with women it's like even daunting as well I don't understand it do you think that it has anything to do with like internalized homophobia? I mean, it, it could very well par partly be that. Because I know, for example, like men scare the shit out of me and I'm a fucking sexually attracted to them. Great. And, you know, I, but I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm romantically attracted to them. I don't think I am. So maybe that has something to do with it where it's like, why am but I afraid of men? At the same part, like I now talking about it I feel like it's because I was around these strong women and I don't want to disappoint them and I feel like all I did was disappoint them that's fair or that they'll see that maybe like I'm a fraud <laughs> in some way shape or form that I just and I also think I keep them at a distance because again like that competitiveness that comes with being a woman that you're constantly pinned against each other it's like I don't even want to dive into it I don't want to be a part of it so I just try to avoid those kind of relationships because I also know myself that I am a jealous person and that I've been guilty of creating toxic environments with the woman that I've been friends with I think that was more so in my adolescence than now but I know it's there and so I just was like oh, I'll just like not deal with it at all and just throw the whole thing away and just not go down that rabbit hole so I think that's part of it but I also think it's probably just like a big part of fear of disappointment and, and rejection because I think I probably have just felt that a lot from the women in my life and that's probably what it comes down to and I'm like oh, I've faced enough rejection and <laughs> yeah that's fair and abandonment from women so I just won't do it at all whereas with men it's almost expected so I can handle that <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah that's fair maybe that's what it is that's fair anyway that took a turn
No, so, I like that. That was a good combo. Uh, queer women. <laughs> queer women. <laughs> what it means to be a queer woman. Okay, so what we have decided to discuss today, I found like five or six quotes about why women have decided to use the label queer. Um, and I hope <laughs> that it will help to expand those people who, um, you know, are kind of like, I feel like I might, you know, be under the umbrella of queer, but I don't really know exactly how I fit in or if it actually fits for me. Maybe it'll help to describe some people and give the vocabulary to you so that you can like put the words to your own sexuality mm -hmm. or gender or whatever, but thought it would be kind of cool to read through some of them. So we'll go through like each one and then we'll pause and see if we need to reflect or talk about it or whatever. So like if you know you're not straight, but terms like bi or lesbian or pan don't feel like they fit, it may be pretty complicated or frustrating for you to pinpoint how to describe your identity. But I would say that you're probably not the only one. A lot of people are trying to uh, figure out who they are without fitting into boxes. And they want to maybe reject the boxes that they've been forced into because boxes can be pretty restrictive. And I don't think that that's where we need to head. They can help to describe the language that you need, but it's not necessarily where we need to go. And honestly, basically queer can mean many different things depending on who you are. So the first person here that identifies as queer, this is the quote. I am a woman and as of five months ago, I came out as queer. Because I've mostly dated cis men, I was never quite sure where I fit in terms of my identity. About a week before my ex-partner and I separated, I came out to him because I felt I needed to be fully seen. I wanted all of me to be accepted by the person I was coming home to every night, even if I was in a monogamous relationship with a man at the time. I was so nervous to tell him, but after I did, I felt so much lighter and freer within the relationship. We separated shortly afterward, but for different reasons. Because I have a very limited experience with partners of the same sex, I still sometimes feel like an imposter. I don't want to appropriate what isn't mine and what others have fought so hard for, but I understand that my process might look different and that's okay. Even my heterosexual relationships have not necessarily been heteronormative and I am constantly subverting and queering the relationships I have with men. For right now, queer feels good and right, and it feels like it fits me. Maybe that will change, and that's cool too. I like that. That's by Ariel, and she's 27. Shout out to Ariel. Shout out. Do you relate to that one? How do you feel? Um. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that. Um, I feel like I never really had a like a fun coming out moment. It was just in the car. We've talked about it in yeah. numerous accounts. Um, but it just like it clicked and it felt right. And I was like, wow, this like fucking explains so much more. Next quote. Here's another description of a queer woman um, talking about why she is queer. My mom transitioned when I was 10. She was assigned male at birth and we lived in San Francisco. So coming out as trans meant looking to the LGBT community for support. Even as a preteen, I saw too much use of lesbian to erase trans women. As an adult, I discovered I'm not just into women but I'm not into men, so bi felt awkward. Queer feels like it gives me space to breathe and says my sexuality isn't what you expect from looking at me. And that's by Chloe, she's 36. Love Chloe's, yeah. yes. That's a Chloe. good one. That's a good one. It's really interesting. I, I didn't think of it necessarily as like, and I didn't think of bi like this either because like, it's not like bi wouldn't be inappropriate for this person, right? Bi would no. fit because you are attracted to more than just one gender, right? And yeah. so it, like it wouldn't not fit, but like, it's interesting to me why this person decided to not use bi because 
they have every reason to, but it, they said like, you know, it doesn't feel like it fits because um, I'm not just into women, but I'm certainly not into men. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. That's kind of my experience too. Like I'm, I'm not just into men, but I don't know that I'm fully into women if that makes sense. Like, I feel like that's no, part of totally. it. I feel like I'm queer. It's just like, it helps to define the spaces where it's a little bit gray. Yeah. I think, I think for people who don't, I think it encompasses like a, a mass audience, but like, yeah, essentially it's for those gray areas, but it's also for those who, you know, haven't maybe found the boxes that fit quite yet. Or, you know, I think, and I've said it before for myself, um, you know, it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing and I'm learning new things about myself um, and I feel like queer, I not, I don't constantly feel the pressure to have to come out or reformat like what I've been saying about myself. I feel like it just encompasses such a, such a mass amount of things for me. So whether that be my gender, whether that be my attraction or whatever, it fits all of that area. And I feel seen within that. And, um, if somebody asks, they're entitled to define it whatever way they want. They can make any assumption they want about me. I don't care. I've said what I feel and that's good enough for me. I don't think people, I personally don't want people to have to know each and everything. Like you're entitled to think whatever you want to think about me. At the end of the day, I know who I'm going home to and I know who, what I'm saying and who I love and how I do my thing. And that's good enough for me. Yeah. Cause I'm stuck with me for the rest of my time here. So yep. that's the only person's approval I really want. Amen. I feel that. I feel that. All right. Next person. We have Maddie here and she's 28. I didn't like queer for a long time. I went with heteroflexible, but then after my last relationship, I realized that I'm not so much heteroflexible as plain old queer woman. Now that I've started using it in regular conversation as a way to describe myself, it's settled in quite nicely. I prefer queer because queerness encompasses so much and means a lot of different things to different people. That's just who I am. I love that. I love all of these definitions because they're all so fucking fluid and so similar at the root of it all. Um, where it's like, you know, I needed something that's a bit broader. I needed something that really encompassed like these levels to who I am as a person. And I think that like really showcases like that really lines up with how I interpret being a queer woman as well. So yeah. I love this. I agree. I agree completely. All right, next, we've got a 20-year-old, Ellie. Ellie says, I don't necessarily prefer the term queer, but I like it and use it interchangeably with the term gay, LGBTQ+, and other umbrella terms that might describe my sexuality. Although some people don't like it, as a reclaimed slur, it does carry a history. So I won't use it around friends who I know don't like or identify with it. But personally, I love it. It's short, cute, rhymes with a lot of things, so many pun (laughs) opportunities, Most importantly, I love it because it allows people who don't really know what they identify with yet, which is totally okay, or people who may change what they identify with over time, to always have a way of saying, I'm part of the LGBTQ plus community without having to get specific. That's exactly what we were talking about, right? Like Mm -hmm. you, you know, you don't necessarily feel like you have like an exact word that will completely describe you like ever. So let's have a broader definition of it. And it can be used by so many different people and you still get to be part of the community. Yeah. That's cool. It is cool. I think it's really exciting. I love seeing this. I love, I'm, I'm loving this very much. Yeah. 
I also, um, you know, what's interesting with this one specifically is that they mentioned that they use it interchangeably with the term gay and LGBTQ plus, because I have been doing that recently. I've been starting to be like the queer community rather than the LGBTQ plus community or the like the gay community. Like it just, and especially for Gen Zs, like this person is a Gen Z, right? So they're, they're starting to be like, we need more inclusive terms because we need a whole community. The movement. acronym we're going, I'm going to be, I'm going to keep it fucking 100. It's long it is constantly being added to and cool you can say quilt bag you can say things along that but what's something that across the table people know what the fuck you're talking about queer is that word yeah exactly and i think um gen zeds and all that they're getting that you know what's something short sweet simple that can encompass a mass amount of people because i'm loving that like this acronym is constantly being added on but at some point like and even back when we started adding ia to it I remember the debacle about that. And then people were like, oh, the fucking blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Alphabet Mafia. I'm like, cute and cheeky. I have a playlist called Alphabet Mafia Hits. It was essentially the playlist I played at David's T. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> we were uh, the Alphabet Mafia. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, you need something that's that's just got to be simpler, yeah. unfortunately. And that's not to, to take away anybody. No. Nope. Um, because it doesn't. I just think you need something that, you know, gets to the point, gets yeah. there. Let's all track back to Trudeau a few months ago who couldn't even fucking spit it out. My God. Fucking <laughs> embarrassing. Eligibilities. Yeah. Uh, I like how he just like deeply sighed afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. And that's the feeling of a lot of like straight and cis people. And like, honestly, some of the people in the queer community that are just like, I am one of those people. I do it. And I'm like, I fucking definitely forgot like two fucking letters or when I think <laughs> I fucking grasped it. It's like, oh, wait, no, there's more. And I'm like, okay, I love this. But what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, well, I take five minutes to spell this fucking acronym. I have it written exactly. on my hand. I should just tattoo it on my finger. Yeah. And then you should be uh, 2S. 2S LGBTQ. P-N-I-A. Plus, plus, plus. Plus, 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 plus. No, I gotta leave room for the rest of the... Yeah, you gotta leave room just in case. <laughs> just in case. For the new ones that come up. Yep. You gotta put an S on there for sapphic. <laughs> I do. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yes. <laughs> coming up. It's coming. All right. We got two more. Two more reasons to that women feel that they use queer. So one from Danielle at 30. Pan and bi never felt really accurate because I realized that what I'm attracted to isn't distinctly masculine or feminine. It was actually my own exploration of gender expression and in large part trans and non-binary visibility that helped me to understand I wasn't simply into hetero men and that I was not simply hetero. To say gay feels like I'm taking ownership over something I had only previously supported from the outside and mainstream gay culture as we know it has been dominated by cis white men. To say bi feels like I'm limiting myself as I'm not suddenly attracted to men and women only. To say pan feels like I'm jumping on a celebrity bandwagon. To say queer feels comfortable, which despite its outward danger in the larger world as identifying this way, feels like a luxury to me. So feel comfortable in my own skin. Interesting. Mm-hmm. This one, I mean, there are a couple of, I won't say problematic things that they said, but like dismissing pan as a celebrity yeah. is kind of not the greatest thing to say, but it's also- And like, you know, we love the bi slander as per usual. Yeah, as per usual, bi is not just mean to, 
buy is lots more expensive than that. Um, but those are common things that people understand. Like if the word doesn't fit for you for any reason, then don't That's use fine. it. Yeah. You know, like just whatever. So like if bisexual, you're like, it's too limiting because it's only two, then don't use it. Like, sure. I mean, it's not only two acknowledge that at least but also say like this one actually fits a little bit more for me because it just yeah and even i found sense. like bi has such a connotation around it connotation yeah that i was just like mm, i don't really fuck with that and i'm sick of explaining it so yeah that's fair just get rid of fair. it all together exactly and the thing is is that like there is that stigma out there saying bi is for two and so people will be like oh so you're into men and women and you're like yeah but it's more than that but also yeah not really men in this way and not really women in this way but women in this way but not men in this way yeah and so it's kind of like I don't feel like explaining that anymore I'm just queer yeah yeah exactly. I feel that that's beautiful yeah all right and finally we've got a 45 year old named Rasheline who would love it I know for me queer is an earned political term not gay isn't happy but queer isn't fuck you that can allow our community to be less fragmented, at least for those of us who like the term. It's a lot easier than saying I'm bisexual, female, genderqueer, non-binary, and then having to explain all of that. Love how we just talked about that. No, exactly. <laughs> uh, how fitting. I hope that like these kind of definitions have helped to like really understand that queer is a really fluid term. And a it lot of these people- So good to yeah. use just as a whole fucking umbrella term because yeah. so much is attached to that and it yeah. has so many meanings to so many other people and I just I love that I love and, that because I can tell somebody and they won't have a fucking like it's like what does that mean is like I know what does it mean what does it mean we don't, to, we don't need to dissect that that's the beauty of it like I don't yeah. I don't owe you that yep. luxury so I feel like I touched on how I feel as a queer woman just like adding on to what they said so I don't yeah. really have much else to tack on to onto it besides feeling that like yeah it's something that just like is a fluid enough term that I feel like can encompass like encompass I keep saying that a lot um whatever kind of transition or wherever I kind of end up and um that's empowering in itself I think um something that kind of can grow with me yep and I need that you know I want something that doesn't make me feel like I'm boxed in personally that's not to say that other people who choose to have more specific labels that that is limiting themselves. Um, I don't think that at all. I think just for who I am as a person, where I'm constantly changing and evolving and questioning myself, that I need something that's going to kind of go along with that. And like I said earlier, I don't want to have to fucking constantly come out or constantly explain these things. And I think um, to a lot of straight people and even some of the community itself, you know, a lot of the terminology isn't always so known and to have to delve into that every time and explain or have a very intimate conversation about my preferences and what I want and what I prefer and who I am as a person it's exhausting I don't want to do it um it's you know some people really love to share that parts of themselves of themselves you can totally go ahead and do that I don't I don't think I have to explain myself and while I do want to educate and and let people know things um I think I shouldn't have to do that at the cost of my own personal well-being and so I think just having a term that can kind of wrap everything up is is yeah is empowering and it feels good and it feels right and it fit better than bisexual ever did 
and that was like a breath of fresh air for sure because I remember saying bisexual and I always felt like I had to follow it up with something and I had to explain myself and then somebody asked how many girls have you been with how many blah 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 and it's like why the fuck is that the importance here because would you go to a gay man and be like how many gay men have you been with or if you go up to a straight person how many how many heterosexual relationships have you been like you don't do that so why are you doing that with this you know, it's, it's exhausting. Or you would come across somebody and it's always this fucking bi versus pan bullshit yeah. about what's more inclusive. Um, and I think it's safe to say, and we're learning that, is that things are constantly changing. So yes, maybe when we were younger, bisexual really did just mean two. But the way that it's grown now, it's, it means more than that. Yeah. But you still have these people kind of exhibited in some of these quotes that still believe that it is just two. Do want no part of that. I shouldn't have to divulge my any part of my personal relationships to, you know, push who I am and what I believe I am. So. I feel that. I yeah. I take a similar stance in that I don't think that people need to describe who they are every time that they like. You shouldn't have to come out constantly. You just shouldn't. Yeah. Um, in the place that I work and the work that I do, I would say that I do kind of have to do that. And it's not that mm-hmm. I have to, it's just that like, if I'm not going to explain myself, then it can be a hindrance to the learning moment that other people can um, need to go through in the education sector. You know, yeah. like teachers need to understand that there are different people in the world. And just be- me being like, oh, I'm queer for these reasons um, helps them to understand it and I can also go into more detail if I need to and so I know that queer is a lovely like for me personally and like I'm not a woman but I am trans feminine and so like I would like in some ways I do I would say that I'm a queer trans feminine person right Mm -hmm. so I in those cases I can also say like you know, I can describe what trans feminine means to me. I can describe what non-binary means to me. I can describe what omnisexual means to me. I can get more specific if I need to, exactly. but I don't always need to be. And that's why I use queer is because it's more of like the umbrella. Like here's this, like a basic word that you probably will accept. If you don't accept that and you're like, oh, what does that mean to you? Then we can get into it. And I'm fine with that. Right. Yeah. So I totally agree. It's, it's up to each individual person, obviously. And I think that queer is a good way to have the start be like, you know what, I'm either going to be able to talk about this or I'm not going to talk about this. All right. Well, this has been How to Be Queer. Thanks for tuning in again. Um, our next episode will be April 12th. So look in your podcast feeds. We'll be back. Also watch Instagram feeds upcoming because we're going to try some new things. I'm really yeah, excited I'm about it. Yeah, I'm attempting my template right now. Yeah, we're working on it. I'm so excited to see like where this takes us, and like if this is gonna be like the elevation that we needed. Yes, I think it is. I think this is what we needed. I think you're gonna like this. this is very 80s. Oh, I love that. Oh, 80s. Okay, 80s is kind of the theme I love. I gathered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I love you. Love you too. It's been a great episode. It's been a good time.